And today we have a special episode of the Rational Standard podcast. I've traveled up here to Johannesburg and I'm speaking with the Rational Standard's editor-in-chief as well as the editor-in-chief of Being Libertarian and a legal researcher at the Free Market Foundation, Martin van Staden. Martin, thank you very much for chatting with me today. Great. Thanks for having me again, Nick, uh, here at the offices of the Free Market Foundation. Yes, know? yes. One of the few bastions of liberty in yeah. South Africa, might I say. Uh, yeah. It's always lovely coming here. Uh, so anyway, I've come to chat with you to a bit of an area you've been checking out uh, recently, and that is a recent political party funding bill that will come to South Africa's parliament. Uh, so, you know, I think most people, the issue of political party funding, it doesn't sound very interesting. It doesn't sound like something your average Joe would put a lot of effort into trying to understand. Um, all I know is from following American politics that what they call campaign finance report for reform has always been a massive issue. Uh, so let me ask you, what exactly is, is in this bill uh, and, and what's going on with it? Well, so firstly, uh, the Constitutional Court recently came out of a judgment, uh, or, or first it was the High Court, uh, where an uh, organization called uh, My Vote Counts challenged the Promotion of Access to Information Act on the grounds that it did not give effect to the supposed right of South Africans to uh, know who funds their political parties. So there is no right to that explicitly, but there is a right to political activity, and there is a right to access to information, and their yeah. argument was that when you read these two together, you have a right to know who funds your political parties. The High Court agreed, and recently the Constitutional Court also agreed. These were statutes, not a con not the constitutional interpretation. Uh, these these uh, rights were are constitutional rights. Okay. Uh, but the the statute that was challenged was the Promotion of Access to Information Act. Okay. Uh, which supposedly gives a right to the access to information, but the, uh, my vote count said it doesn't because we don't know who funds our political parties. Uh, and I mean that's fair enough. I think the, the argument is, is pretty good. I think the court is probably right. Uh, and that is, that is where the political party funding bill comes from. Parliament was instructed by the court to uh, rectify the situation and Parliament is now enacting the political party funding bill. So what this bill does, uh, so currently in South Africa, if you are a private funder of a political party, you can remain anonymous, you can donate as much as you like, uh, and your name never gets uh, made public. Uh, what's a bit different in South Africa than what I think is the case in America is that our political parties receive a significant amount of money from the government, from taxpayers, uh, and that is uh, justified on the basis of trying to uh, prevent corruption, which is quite bizarre. So it's basically, here's some money, please don't do corrupt things and try and get the money illegally. Uh, so we, our parties receive a lot of funding from, from, uh, from the taxpayer. And this bill does not go into that. Uh, well, it kind of does, but not completely. What it um, says it's going to do is make uh, the private funding of political parties transparent. Uh, from a certain threshold. So I believe the threshold currently in the bill is 100,000 Rand. If you donate 100,000 Rand and up, uh, your name and your information would need to be disclosed. It's not clear what disclosure means. Is that to the public, to parliament, to a special agency? That's not defined, so that's a separate question. But that would need to be disclosed. Um, a lot of organizations are concerned about that because you can donate 99,999 yeah. <laughs> and you can make multiple such donations and in the current language of the bill you don't need to disclose. So a lot of parties are a bit concerned about that, the, uh, not parties, uh, organizations and um, they also say that it's too high. Uh, I think my vote count said that the threshold should be the average salary of a black uh, 
domestic worker in South Africa, which I believe is something like 5,000 Rand or something. That's Sounds what, like they pulled that out of a hat. I believe they did. Uh, I believe they did, but, but the <laughs> argument basically that they make is that your average South African, the most vulnerable South African cannot pay, uh, cannot afford to donate 100,000 Rand to a political party. So to ensure that there's... Uh, I guess a parody of, of political influence, uh, the threshold should be taken down. And then there is also a complete limit on what you may donate. I cannot recall what that is. I think it's something like 15 million rand. Uh, so you cannot donate more than 15 million rand to a political party, I guess, in an election cycle. I'm not sure when, when this applies. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the same organizations are saying that that is way too much and that should be taken down. Um, then there is something that the bill creates, which is called the Multi-Party Democracy Fund, which is basically to answer the criticism that the Free Market Foundation has and that uh, some uh, opposition political parties has. And the Multi-Party Democracy Fund basically says that, okay, if you want to remain anonymous, here's, an, here's, here's how you do it. You can give as much money as you want, I think, to the Multi-Party Democracy Fund, your name will not be disclosed if you ask for, ask for it. And then this money in the multi-party democracy fund will be distributed amongst all the parties on a equitable and proportional basis. So, uh, so I, I, I heard an interview with a yeah. guy on the radio and he was talking about this equitable and proportional basis. And yeah. it was a, it's a little bit redistributive in, in giving yes. smaller parties a bit more and also proportional at the same time. Yes. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, so if, if, if you're a, um, it's a small portion of the 100% will be on an equitable basis yeah. and then the rest will be proportional to how much you, uh, uh, representation you already have in parliament. Um, so that is the multi-party democracy fund. Uh, I don't think it answers the criticism because uh, if you donate to a party, you want to donate to that party you agree with, not yeah. to all the parties. So I think it's, uh, it's quite silly. I don't think it's going to work out as, as they uh, think it is. I don't think the multi-party democracy fund is going to receive much money uh, from private donors because this simply isn't how it works. Nobody wants to support, quote-unquote, multi-party democracy. They want <laughs> to support, support specific parties that encapsulate their values. Uh, so, for example, if I'm a staunch Democratic Alliance supporter and I want to donate 15 million rand to the DA, I am not going to give that to the multi-party democracy fund so that they can give more that, than the DA is going to receive to the ANC because they proportionally have more seats in Parliament. So it's absolutely bizarre. Uh, okay, so that is the summary of, of the bill. All right, well, I mean, the first thing that strikes me is that it seems we have this ongoing a chronic problem in South Africa of badly worded legislation. You just mentioned a few problems and a few loopholes already, and I would have thought that this sort of thing would have been taken into account. But anyway, we can we can go back to that. So let's quickly talk about you know the critiques of this bill. Uh, look, this is not an issue which many South Africans are used to talking about. However, in the United States, campaign finance report reform is a massive issue. It's a hot topic. Uh, and people are talking about it, especially now with Trump just having nominated his uh, next Supreme Court justice just before we are recording this podcast. Um, you know, t traditionally speaking, right-wingers in the United States have tend to uh, favor uh, little fewer restrictions on this. Uh, so, you know, could you make the case for me to uh, not having what these people are calling, I suppose, transparent uh, donations to political parties. Uh, well, look, I, I actually... I mean, not just... I know, obviously, you and I have a yeah. basis in freedom and stuff yeah. like that, but is there a, also a 
a practical reality which this might impact? Well, well, firstly, I think I, I broadly agree with the idea that you should know who funds your political parties. I do not see a political party as a completely private association yeah. because it is a party that, uh, an entity that has declared its intention to govern over society, use right. the force of the state. So I think it straddles the line between public and private. I don't think it's completely public or completely private. So I think there's a case to be made that yes, we should know who funds our political parties. The problem with that is, and, and it's, it's 100% contextual, and yeah. I know in the U.S., I think there is a, an obligation to disclose who funds political parties. I think so. I'm not sure. I think so as well. Although the, yeah. I think the, the controversial thing in America was the limit. I don't think there's yes. much of a limit now. Yeah, so I, I think that it can work. It works in America because there you have, uh, I think, uh, there's some ice cream company that endorsed Bernie Sanders, yeah, for example. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... Uh, Americans are very open about their politics. It's a very mature democracy. Uh, big companies can say, yeah, look, I fund the Republican Party, sue me. Uh, and, and things like that happen, and life goes on. That is not true in South Africa. In South Africa, we have a case of a bad observance of the rule of law. And uh, what companies, and, and I, when I say companies, I'm going to use that as a catch-all term because uh, this can also apply to a director who uh, funds in his personal capacity, not the company, yeah. but there's, I'm just going to use company as a, as a catch-all term. Um, if, if a company funds a political party, there is going to be a regulator somewhere in their industry who sees this person is funding my opposition, and next time license renewals come up, uh. I am going to uh, politely decline to renew this company's uh, uh, license based on whatever reason I can conjure up. And that is a problem of discretionary powers, um, which I would argue is the source of all corruption in South Africa, uh, where regulators and the ex executive government are empowered to make decisions basically based on their own whims. Uh, they don't have criteria in the legislation saying you need to comply with X, Y, and Z to make this decision. That is to, to interrupt yeah. you quickly, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about on this topic. Just as a, a legal scholar, would you say that South Africa in general has got a more uh, power to the executive branch of government, and this is kind of where it comes from. I would say, compared to, you, to the United States, I would say no. I think the executive government there has more power, but because they're a more mature democracy, the effect of that is, is not as severe as it is here. So okay. it's completely contextual. And I think our government has, um, because of the discretionary powers and this developing culture of corruption, and especially the perception of corruption, so even though a regulator may not be corrupt himself, he may not take any action, he may be of impeccable moral character. The company that in that sector that wants to fund an opposition party is going to think, listen, the moment my name becomes disclosed, I'm going to lose out on licenses, I'm going to lose out on, uh, on permits, on whatever you need from government, because we have this mentality that government needs to be involved in everything. Yeah, yeah. So if you're dependent on any favor from government, uh, you may miss out if you decide to fund a political party in this new regime. So our concern is that potential funders or current funders of opposition parties, I mean, the same can be said for the ruling party, but it's not as severe to them. Uh, yeah. I mean, the ANC did oppose this bill in court, or not the bill, the argument of mandated transparency. They did oppose it. 
Uh, I, I'm not sure on, on which grounds. They said there is no right to know, but the fact... The, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Has the Democratic Alliance taken a public stance on this? I haven't heard them speak about it. Uh, I'm not sure about a specifically public stance, but when I presented in Parliament on this topic, the yeah. Democratic Alliance's representatives did seem to provide some more resistance to the bill than did anyone else. You were in front of committee in Parliament, were you? Yes, I was. I presented to the National Council of Provinces as ah, ad hoc okay. committee on the funding of political parties. All ah, right. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> the, the DA did seem to uh, oppose it a little bit more. I'm not sure what their, their official stance is. Uh, but yeah, so our concern is, especially for opposition parties, uh, but not the official opposition, as many people would construe it. Our concern is not specifically with the DA but uh, can be extended to any party. And then, I mean, this operates on a local level. If you're, uh, I mean, we have some local parties that do, I think, govern some uh, municipalities. I think there is uh, something in Pumalanga. Bush, Bush Ridge Resident yes. Association. Yeah, so take that as an example. I mean, uh, small towns, and if you're a local uh, businessman there, yeah, and you fund this uh, small party, and your local regulator in the municipality, uh, who is gonna presumably, maybe an ANC member, knows uh, sees that that you're funding their opposition, uh, you may just find yourself out of luck. So any opposition party in any form anywhere around the country uh, may be in in a bit of trouble if their name gets disclosed. Uh, and I, I think if we're reasonable and, and, and honest about it, they're not going to choose to fund a political party over the future of their own business. They're going to yeah. stop the funding of the political party and go on with their own business before this bill comes into operation. So I wouldn't be surprised if the funding has already stopped. Yeah. So that's, that's our concern. It's about the perception of corruption in South Africa, the discretionary powers that people have in terms of other legislation, and that combined will make it very difficult for potential funders, especially wealthy funders who are associated with companies, to continue operating in South Africa uh, and funding uh, a political party at the same time. They'll need to choose, and they probably will choose their company over uh, funding the party of their choice. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, that is also a big problem because in order for a democracy to sort of work, parties do need to get funded somehow, yes. and they need to hopefully get funded as voluntarily as possible, I'm sure you and I would hope. Uh, it almost sounds to me like the problem of this piece of legislation comes not necessarily from the legislation itself, mm but comes from sort of side effects of having a really horrible regulatory and licensing yes. environment in South Africa. So, I mean, I, you know, I hate to divert off the course a little bit, but I, I suppose uh, the Free Market Foundation has its concerns as a result of that. But, I mean, maybe we can just talk about, um, you know, South Africa's sort of regulatory and licensing uh, yeah. environment. Would you think getting rid of some of those uh, red tape... Or some of that red tape rather would solve, would make it better. Well, yes, that, that is our submission to Parliament. It's basically we are fine with the bill in principle. Most of it is, is fine. We're a bit concerned about the arbitrary limits on funding. Yeah. Uh, all these uh, numbers that seem to be taken out of a hat by government. Um, so, yes, our concern is 100% with the environment. Uh, the regulatory environment and uh, our rule of law project with, with which I am very active uh, we are basically all about this discretionary powers problem that uh, that's, uh, seems to be endemic in South Africa so this comes from usually a regulate, uh, legislation that purports to regulate something uh, so, for example, uh, the... Uh, Let's say the F F Financial Services Board. Yes, the Financial Services Board, which is now being abolished and replaced by an even bigger bureaucracy. Uh, and, nice of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, other boards like that, they, in legislation, have the power to make uh, 
uh, notices, determinations, prescriptions, all these things are just uh, synonyms for they may regulate and introduce uh, their own special type of legislation, even though they're unelected bureaucrats. And they have the power to, uh, to oversee the whole industry and make very material decisions that affect uh, uh, these industries. So, for example, uh, I think the, uh, either one or both of the uh, insurance acts gives the, uh, the financial regulator the power to request from insurance providers, I believe, uh, information on all their clients uh, without a warrant. Without and, a warrant. Yes, I, I believe that's wow. the power that that's bestowed on 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 uh, the financial regulators, um, and I mean if if you uh, refuse, I guess you can take it to court, but you do not want to get on your regulator's bad side. Yeah. And and. Uh, Although I, I I hate to interrupt, but yeah. that does sound like something which could be challenged constitutionally. I mean, South Africa doesn't quite have the same sort of. Yeah limits to, I think in America it's the Fourth Amendment that prevents yes. something like that. In the South African Constitution we have something, I think, right to privacy. Yes, we do, yeah. So I don't know. Section 14, I believe. I don't know. When I hear something like that, it sounds to me like it's litigation waiting to happen, but perhaps Yeah, not. sure, but, but the, that's, that's another problem. Uh, these companies shy away from taking their regulator to court, except if they're leaving South Africa. So a good example of that is... I think a 2016 case by Anglo-American or yeah. Anglo-Gordashanti against the uh, Mine Health and Safety Inspectorate. So what happened there was there was a fault in one shaft of a big mine owned by Anglo-Gordashanti and uh, the mine regulator, the Mine Health and Safety Inspector, uh, so-called, closed the entire mine. Uh, he ordered it closed, even though the fault was in one shaft out of, let's say, 12. The whole mine was closed, and each day they lost uh, tens of millions of rands. Yeah. Uh, the Anglo-Gordashanti, which by that time had already started disinvesting in South Africa, uh, because government has been very good at destroying our mining industry, they decided to take it to court, and the court did say this was an irrational uh, decision by the health, mining and, uh, sa- uh, health and safety inspectorate. Uh, that's fine, except the court didn't strike down the legislation giving that power. Our argument is that the power itself to declare a whole mine uh, uh, closed because of a fault in one shaft is an unbridled discretionary power, which is outside of the confines of the rule of law. It is uh, completely untethered. Our argument would have been this legislation is therefore unconstitutional. The court just said the decision is irrational. So there is an example where a company does take government to court on a discretionary powers matter, but as we know, Anglo Gold is leaving. Uh, a company that has a long-term investment in South Africa and intends to stay, uh, which I guess is becoming increasingly unlikely in light of current events, uh, they will not yeah. want to take their regulator to court because they know they have to deal with these regulators every day for years to come. And uh, they don't want to have a bad relationship because court case today, in a week, license renewals comes up, the regulator says... Yes, uh, we we looked into this and this, and we're not completely happy with that. Sorry, you're not going to get a license. And the company can't then say, but you did this because of the court case, because they can't prove it. Uh, and so there's there's that problem there, and, and the courts won't uh, accept that argument if, if you say it's, it's retribution. Uh, because the courts will say, listen, the, the regulator has this power in terms of legislation. It has given a reason for why it take, has taken the decision. And oh, there you go. You'll need to prove that it's retribution. You can. So yeah. we have a discretionary powers uh, problem in our in our 
legal regime. We've had it since apartheid. It's not a, a new phenomenon. Uh, we have researchers here uh, doing uh, analyses of pre-democracy uh, pre and, and post-democracy. Uh, well, yeah, post-democracy legislation. Post-democracy <laughs> uh, legislation. And, and we found that at least 80% uh, of all South African pieces of legislation come full foul of the rule of law in, in a respect like discretionary powers. So yes, it's completely a regulatory environment problem. The political party funding bill itself is okay. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it almost sounds like the conversation we need to be having is actually about the rule of law and not necessarily about the political party funding bill. Uh, you know, I think uh, Leon Lowe gave an excellent speech at the Free Market Foundation, I think it was last year sometime, I can't remember when, but it was on the rule of law and how this very, very vitally important concept is something so many South Africans are just completely unaware of. Mm. So now anyway, you, you gave a bit of an example of, say, the smaller politi political parties, how might they be affected? Uh, you know, just to throw out a bit of a speculation, how do you think, suppose this bill will be passed and, I don't know, it seems to me like it will be, I see no reason... Mm parties to put major fights maybe the EFF has some conspiracy up their sleeve I really don't know uh, uh, but how do you, what do you think the effects might be on larger more prominent political parties like the ANC or the DA do you think we might for example start seeing uh, them losing support in certain ways or, or what, what, what is the uh, the expectation well, so the, the loss of support will come on the back of their loss in resources to campaign so uh, when I was presenting on the political party funding bill in Parliament, one of the ANC members made the point to me that I did not have an opportunity to respond to, that all parties contest elections equally. Uh, whether that sounds you, like nonsense. Yeah, I, I would argue that, uh, because he, he made the point that it doesn't matter how much money you have, you have access to the same electorate, uh, um, the field is, is, is level. Uh, so I didn't have an opportunity to respond to that, but that is of course not true. Uh, getting uh, adver advertisements in on TV, on billboards, uh, printing t-shirts, uh, getting uh, rally events going, organized, uh, painting, buying blue paint and whatever, what may have you, that's expensive. And if you do it all around the country, that's very expensive. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fallacy to say that it's a, a campaigning is a cheap affair. So I think that especially for parties in opposition, not so much for the the governing party. Uh, I don't. I don't think companies really have a reason to be concerned if their name comes up in association with uh, the governing party. I mean, you can say what you want about the Guptas and Bal Pottinger, but yeah. uh, at the end of the day, it's it's not like they're gonna really lose out on business, except maybe if something happens in in a, abroad and action is taken by other governments, like in the case of Bal Pottinger. But local companies funding the ANC that. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a, a big problem. Uh, they're not going to be bullied. Uh, yeah. And if they provide a good service, they're still going to have customers. How about trade unions? This is the thing I was considering now because yeah. recently we're seeing a big split between Casato and the ANC. At the moment, I presume we don't really know where the ANC gets its money besides its membership fees. Yeah. Uh, but with a split in Casato, perhaps you could say, okay, let's say Casato split from the ANC, but now Fedusa or Nectu or somebody else is now funding them. Uh, that might create a huge uh, effect on the ANC support or something like that to a major political party. Fair, yeah, that's that's fair. I think uh, there may be consequences for the ANC. Uh, if, uh, if a company that commands a substantial portion of a specific union that opposes the ANC's uh, employees, the union may take action and say, stop funding the ANC or we'll strike and you won't be able to do business or something along those lines. 
Uh, I'm not sure if that will be completely legal, but our unions have not cared about what the law says for quite a while. So <laughs> that's I, right, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be much of an impediment. Uh, but I, I think the biggest problem is going to come for opposition parties because companies in South Africa seem to be very, very concerned with being able to get government contracts. I've always found yeah. this quite bizarre uh, because government doesn't pay. Uh, government is very inefficient. I don't know why our companies want to do business with government so eagerly. Are they not lucrative contracts, these tenders? I'm not sure. But what I've heard is that government usually doesn't pay on time, and you have to wait a substantial amount of time before you get payment, and, and there's usually a lot of politics associated with it. But uh, So I'm not talking about Gupta-type companies. I'm talking about real reputable companies. Yeah. And if you see on any company a BEE status what they're, that they're bragging about, you should know that company really, really wants a contract with government. That's the only reason currently you would have a BEE status and care about that. So uh, there is a big concern about that. And the moment it comes to light that, say, to take a, an arbitrary example, pick and pay funds the Democratic Alliance. Yeah. Any talk about any type of contract by a, a pick and pay catering an ANC event, that is all going to go out the window uh, or, or a government event, uh, rather. That, that's not going to happen. And, or the pick and pay is going to think that is not going to happen anymore, even though the, the, they won't be, uh, there won't be any retribution. So um, that, that's, that's the issue here for opposition parties. If you are seen to be funding an opposition party, you are either going to think that a regulator is going to engage in some type of regulatory bullying for your company, even though your company isn't funding, you may be funding, but you're associated with the company. Uh, an opposition party and uh, or the the regulator will actually take action but either way there is going to be uh, a loss of funding for the opposition party you you yeah. as a rational businessman are not going to take the chance you have to play into the the cards of the government of the government is regulating you i suppose that's yes. an unfortunate situation and what you're describing sounds a bit like a scene from house of cards at the moment which is yeah it's really unfortunate, but I think, you know, if there's one the takeaway from uh, this chat we're having, it's that really the, the ultimate problem is just one of the many, many side effects of having a horrible regulatory and discretionary power environment in South Africa. So, you know, I look forward very much to learning a little bit more about the rule of law. It's even something that I have not uh, um, been too well equipped with regards to knowledge mm. about stuff like that. But yeah, we will see in due course what happens in this political party funding bill. We also have an election coming up, so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Mm. But I really sincerely hope it doesn't have a, a major effect and uh, perhaps the Democratic Alliance will come to their senses. Although you did say you did say that the member of the NCOP sort of was more... You use more against the bill. I yeah, I, I, I think uh, all the opposition parties realize at a fundamental level what's oh, coming. Really? But they can't really go in public and say no... You don't have a right to know. Uh, that's going to look terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, this is always yeah. the problem is that yeah. you have so many of these issues in our political sphere in South Africa, which are, you know, the correct stance to take is a very unpopular one. So yes. the DA just sort of tiptoes or they'll write yeah. it down in their policy, in their manifesto, yeah. but they'll never really say it publicly. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I think this is why it's necessary to have things like the Free Market Foundation to actively speak yes. out against it. I was, for example, very happy quite recently with the DAs now their stance against the whole land issue is they're actually saying the ANC slash EFF plan is to not have any property mm. rights. Yeah. Prior to this, Musi Maimane's stance was 
yeah, it, it, it's not suitable for a growing economy or something like that, which yeah. is just a really wussy... Yes, yeah, you know, they've, they've upped their game a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> so well done to them, you know, credit where credit's due. Yeah. All right, well, thanks very much for this chat, Martin. I think we'll have to see, uh, you know, what the effects ultimately when it comes through it. Do you think it looks like this bill is going to pass? Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to pass. Okay. The, uh, the NCOP passed it in, in their chambers without taking into account any of the things that the Free Market Foundation said. So, uh, <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, passed the National Assembly already. Uh, it's only going to wait for the president's signature now. So I, I have no... It may be shelved. Uh, a lot of legislation gets passed and the president says, I'll sign it at some point, but it may not happen. So, But, yeah, for... From where I'm sitting, it seems like it's going to pass. Well, very, very interesting indeed. Yeah. I suppose we'll have to see now what will the effect be on the South African political sphere. Martin, thank you very much for chatting to me. And as usual, thank you very much for listening to the Rational Standard podcast. Uh, give us a like on our Facebook page. Sign up to our email at www.rationalstandard.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Rational Stand, or you can follow myself at Nick Babaya. And Martin, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, I am at Martin ASFL, but rather follow me on Facebook, which is fb.com slash Martin van Staden Liberty, one word. And uh, Free Market Foundation, would you know that Twitter uh, handle? We are at FMF South Africa on Twitter, and uh, I believe it's probably the same on Facebook, but just uh, search Free Market Foundation either on Twitter or on Facebook, and you'll find us. Great. Well, thanks for the chat, Martin, and thank you for listening to another episode. Until next time.